back to the Cock and Bull podcast, where 100 times now, my brother Nathan and I have gone through the kookiest, craziest, unbelievable stories with shockingly true characters. I got it wrong. Fuck. Um, Nate- <laughs> we could on a hundred, not even, you know. Guys, you know what to expect. You knew this was coming. One take wonder. I don't believe in restarting. I don't think we've restarted an episode ever. Absolutely not. not once. I, no, cowardice. Cowardice to restart, I said. I've always said. First take, last take, get it out the door. That's one thing I took from L. Ron Hubbard, and I'll, 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 I'll say it proudly. We took a month off, uh, right? Well, like we we were on a triumphant. We were going weekly for I oh, think we like so seventeen good. episodes straight, Nathan, banked. and and then we face planted <laughs> because life life happened. It started with you and I getting tremendously ill at the same exact time. Yes, that was part of it. Yes, and then just everything else happened. But we're back. Yeah, it's a hundo. We got a big one yeah. in the bank here. But Nate, I'm curious how 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 have you been? How would I, you describe the last? I, well, Spencer, see, here's the here's the thing, and I need to really set the stage here because we're gonna do this a little at Tarantino style. If what I have been recording from is a plush, uh, uh, you know, ritzy bourgeois, if all, I've, I no, it was a closet under the stairs, but it was a cushy closet under the stairs that had like a nice blanket. closet. It was a nice closet. It was a podcasting closet. Uh, flash forward to now. Uh, you remember where Three Dog was broadcasting from in Fallout <laughs> Three? <laughs> Hello, Wasteland. How y'all doing? Uh, this old Three Oh Three Dog Nathan up here. Just, first things first, in appropriateness, everything's ripped down off the walls. Nothing is here. It's just concrete all around, uh, and uh, everything's been been stripped to the studs. And, uh, oh, there's no lights in you. I'm doing this in complete darkness. I have a flashlight that I use, <laughs> but the bad, but the thing was, Spencer, the thing about that was, here's the problem. As I was coming down, I was like, man, ah, oh, that's okay. But I've got the flashlight, the batteries in the flashlight are going. It's like going real bad. And these are those big ass fat. This is one of those dirt. This is one of the mag light. Fuck you bad. That's got like batteries from the 1970s that I don't think they even make it. I don't think you're legally allowed to use the kind of batteries this thing takes anymore. So I, I basically, no, yeah, they I'm kill running out of resources. I'm in like a survival horror game, running out of resources, just desperately trying to get a message out to my loved ones. <laughs> and this is like my final message for to, from the war. And then I, like people die. Like my father, I am going through the valley of, of death right now, just physically being sick for like a month straight and then just everything. And I, and now my surroundings reflect it in this dark closet of sadness and we're gonna record a giggle fest absolutely <sighs> this is 2023 people embrace it I'm, i am holding you by the shoulders i am shaking you uncomfortably you are calling hr spencer we need to move we need to go my I'm, friends i'm terrified nathan that like i'm we may just need to call this one off if I hit if I hit you with with no. one of what I would call this caliber after the I think I might not get you back in here. No, Spencer, here it is. This, my this, this is the is final be boss. The capstone okay. event. This is my sh- this is my Shang song. I feel like you're gonna have a Joker moment. I've been, I've been swinging. I've, I've I've climbed the top. You're the best around. I'm climbing. Strap in and let try and ruin my night. Go. February thirteenth. 
Also, do you have at least have a blanket over your head so like you're not <laughs> sounding like you're in a cave? Oh man! Oh, though the audio uh, again. This is the other thing. We're regressing. Everything oh, is we're regressing. Going back to- in a couple, the, we're going to slowly but surely, I'm going to go back to the Malibu and just back to the earpods plugged into the Coming phone. full circle. That's fine. I'll put you through the Adobe Decaver plug-in. <laughs> That's, I just got that one for work. February 13th, 1728. Everyone's favorite century. John Hunter was born in East Kilbride in Lancashire, Scotland. Oh, no. Oh, no. A little village not far from Glasgow. Oh, my God. All right, gang. So, going to be a lot of silly names and, and, and a lot of shenanigans are what I'm predicting so far. His parents were Agnes Paul, aged 43, and John Hunter, aged 66. Oh, the shenanigans start early. Holy cow. Got a Robert De Niro daddy. He was the youngest of 10 kids, three of whom died of illness before John was born, and only three of his remaining siblings would make it to adulthood. John's family descended from the Ayrshire family and Glasgow's middle class. He was an especially adventurous child, preferring sports and the outdoors over the classical education his parents tried to push on him from a young age. So, so he's he doesn't a jock. like school. So what we're saying is he's a jock. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we prefer adventurer, but... Oh, do we? You know. Do we prefer adventurer? This feels like what like Goku wants for Gohan and what Chi-Chi wants for Gohan. And I feel like we well, there, there was an objectively correct choice. And I'm on Team Chi-Chi at this point in my life. I'm making a weird turn. Also, I would not say jock because jocks at least have ostensibly one career path they can pursue. That is valid. That is valid. And we're about to... We're about to see that's really not the hand John was dealt, because when he was 13, his father died, which is fine. He was 79 years old, and that's what you should do in the 1700s. <laughs> I was about to say, what? I was like, okay, that's a reasonable amount of time, too. I don't know how his dad dying inhibits his athletic career and outbrought. Oh, no, daddy died. Gotta put him down now. He's got no more years left on him. No one to drive into he's practice. Too, he's too sad to run. <laughs> Daddy's wheelchair was the only way he got to practice. (laughs) John was described as being, quote, of little talent. Oh, God, come on, man. That's about as bad as it got back then. Which made it hard for him to pick a career. Uh, He tried a stint with his brother-in-law as an apprentice cabinet maker. Hey, a a job that runs in our family lineage. We respect the cabinet making industry. I was about to say, yeah, Nathan, if you had been of little talent, that could have been one of your outlets you would have tried. (laughs) I would have joined Dad to help Dad. Dad's really into woodworking. I just went and helped him in the garage. We'd have turned it into a, I'd have started doing cocaine and started a small business instead of the life I chose now in the dark timeline. But John either didn't like it or he wasn't very good at it. So he looked for something else. And at the age of 20, he still hadn't figured out what he wanted to do. Now, that's kind of fair. Let's be real. Who among us at the age of 20 had figured out what they wanted to do? Stand up and call yourself out. He who was without doubt at 20 cast the first stone. I'll fair defend enough. him. I didn't know that I wanted to be a, a, a centennial podcaster. No, I wasn't By on the age of 20. Didn't even know that was an outlet. At, no, at age of... At age 20, I had Ronald Reagan's 1964 National Convention speech on my iPod. That was a choice I made at 20. You think I should have been allowed to? I I shouldn't have been allowed to make a decision about what I wanted to do. That was a dangerous time. We got to remember that. (laughs) Some of these people back in the 1800s is like, holy shit, they're doing depraved 
He's like, how old was he? 14. It's like, God, he doesn't have a brainstem yet. The guy, that guy's just like jerk off energy, and that's all. That's all he's got left. That kid is making like major life decisions at a time when you should not have that much authority. Glasgow, it seemed, didn't have a place for him. So he boarded a boat and went to visit his brother, William. William was 10 years older than John and was a highly admired anatomy teacher in London. Oh, oh, oh. Cabinets didn't work out. Yeah, yeah. So so this is the thing. I, that was what I was going to the morgue. That, yeah. You say, you say anatomy. He's going to go fuck with that. Spencer, we're coming. I feel like the Centennial is about to do a loop. To, the Ouroboros will start, and it's just going to loop back to the first episode, like a Mars Volta album, and these all played as an ARG of some sort. Um, I, I'm getting concerned that we're about to go fuck with some dead bodies and go back to our namesake and our, our, our providence. Any, any moment, I'm going to burst down that closet door, and you're going to realize I've been in the house the whole time. <laughs> we're we're going out the way we came in. It seems like John got his hands dirty very quickly, within the first year, being put to work helping prepare bodies for dissection for William's anatomy lectures. And for 11 years, John became something of a practicum student. He was the right-hand man of one of the best anatomists in the city, and he attended a decade's worth of lectures, albeit he was standing on the wrong side of the, the he was he was behind he was behind William. Wasn't in a seat. Sometimes you gotta do it the wrong way because society doesn't want you to be there. <laughs> he was um in 1749 and 1750, he segued that experience into two years of surgical tutelage from William Chelsden at Chelsea Hospital. Which, if that sounds familiar... Oh, no, it, it does. Uh, Chelsea Hospital sounds insanely familiar because I have a distinct feeling some of our other fucked up dudes have been there. Why do I know that? It's the exact same hospital where Messenger Monzi has been practicing for seven years That's... and would continue to practice yeah, for another was a, 40. I was about to say, it was a recent point, too. I was like, I remember this one. This one's fresh. Chelsea's just showing Hunter how to, like, remove a kidney and next door you're hearing, blam! <laughs> oh, my... And then, and then, obviously, the other thing... It's it's kind of depressing. Like we've hit that point of late stage capitalism where I look at this guy's career path and go, okay, so we like understudied in his like teen years and kind of like fucked around and didn't know what he wanted to do, and then at twenty found a guy that he hung out with and like learned from for like ten years, and then when he was pretty good at that, he went to like audition to like do the thing himself, and now he's gonna have a job. Why does that seem like it? Like I, I want I'm gonna turn into a, like a return account on Twitter, but for just like weird <laughs> esoteric forms of like uh, apprenticeship. I want feudalism. I, I want. <laughs> that turn what's that arc of my life that i'm like i crave i crave you to lordship let's go i don't know anymore i've lost my compass as a man who's been patrolling indeed lately yeah it does it does make it sound kind of whimsical doesn't it that's what i'm but saying is- like if you've just existed in this like way we have to like barter our like uh, it, uh, essentially our souls for like just a pittance of survival rations it's just like insanity now we've talked about anatomy and surgery in this time period in a couple of key episodes both about the need for skilled and speedy surgery and the legal difficulties in getting cadavers to study on. If you haven't heard the stories of Robert Liston or Joseph Nash McDowell, allow me to set the table a little bit. Around 150 BC... (laughs) Oh no! He's gonna do it! This is a 12-hour episode! He lied to you! (laughs) 
<laughs> a, a practice that dates back well into the earliest recorded histories across countless cultures. But still, in each corner of the world and in the massively influential Roman Empire, cultural taboo put an end to human dissection. As such, scholars and would-be surgeons had to rely on what they could from animals. Or you could do surgery on someone and take that opportunity to do a quick scan of what else was going on in there. So, like, you you went in for appendicitis, and the surgeon's like, yeah, I'll get to that. What's going on with these lungs? Mind if I do a quick sketch of those airbags, buddy? You might, oh, you might. Oh, you're open? You're open and you're dying? I'm sorry. Hang on. All right, fine. But, Nathan, there was also a third option. Oh, God. There's always a third option. Hillary Clinton told me there was a third way one time. <laughs> Grave robbing, black market cadavers, and countless medical citations labeled Quote, just trust me, bro. <laughs> Surgeons would pay off gravediggers to turn a blind eye for the evening, hiring out what were called, quote, sack em up men <laughs> to retrieve bodies. No questions asked. Again, I'm going to be a return guy for fun medieval titles for what we do. I would <laughs> I would so much rather say, what do you if I had to go to a work function? and I say, what do you do if I had the option of calling myself a sack em up man right now as opposed to what I have to refer to myself as? I would do it. I would do it gladly. <laughs> Take me back. Take, Take me back. Me back. The job titles were to go back, Marty. I'll, I'll die 30 years sooner. I don't care, man. I want to be a sack em up man. Daddy. I'm a boomer. Please. For the robbers, there was the added incentive of pocketing whatever valuables were buried alongside the deceased, and it would become a big enough phenomenon that in the 1800s, small industries would crop up around booby traps and security devices to protect coffins from body snatchers. It's a gig economy, and the way they get tipped is how much they get to steal and in, in, in kind of you know stolen property off the grave robbing. It's just it's just a gig economy. And there was a bit of an underground network of rumors that would go around about who would be dying or what plot had just opened up because it turns out it's not actually so lucky most of the time that you're able to pull these local. You can't often think local and act local when it comes to grave robbing. Now, sometimes these tips would come from far and wide, and then it becomes an issue of once you got the thing out, how do you transport it? Bodies were stripped naked. I'm imagining, sorry, I'm just imagining, I'm imagining like medieval Frankenstein era the movie driver so it's just ryan gosling in that jacket but like whipping a horse and buggy with like igor next to him with some bodies in the back that's an image that's in my brain and now it has to be in yours deal with the consequences bodies were stripped naked at, at their upturned graves thrown into carts or hampers and sometimes shipped across the entire uk if the buyer was willing to pay inroads and halfway stops like the turf hotel at newcastle were infamously rancid smelling because god knows how many overnighters parked their corpse wagons outside because oh. they got sleepy oh no god and the longer that you waited yeah. the longer you waited the fewer five-hour energies that you packed the fewer <laughs> overnight trips you pulled the longer this whole process took the worse your odds got yeah. of not getting pulled over and searched it was a very risky profession a lot of people got arrested it's like weekend at Bernie's combined with like drug smuggling. Yeah, you you gotta go fast. You yeah. gotta go fast. Uh, it was a very very risky profession for a naturally high paying clientele. 
And that's the story of how we invented NASCAR. We got to have hot rods <laughs> to get these bodies going. Rob Zombie's Dragula plays in the background. He's, he's ripping into the scene. There's a whole different kind of cock and bull today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> However, taboo the means, it's important not to take for granted what was learned from all of this. The study of anatomy was pivotal to advancing medical treatment. Blinding stabs in the dark meant that so many treatable conditions and diseases for millennia were death sentences. Surgeons also required a practiced hand because in a world without proper anesthesia, where patients would have had to have been held down by several strong hands, every second on the operating table was imperative. Profound insight could be found in the cadavers that were pilfered on black markets and stolen from their graves. Acknowledging this, governments would slowly start to find inroads to allow dissection. The benefits were too great to ignore, but it was often a case of too little too late. First, it was criminals, who would have dissection tacked onto their sentences as an additional post-mortem form of punishment. Oh, yeah. I, I love the concept. I love that era of... No, no, no. You've got more to give to us to us fucking yeah. you over. <laughs> Ask not what you can do for getting fucked over. Ask what getting fucked over can do for you. And uh, that's digging your ass up and putting you on trial as like some weird popes and shit like that. It's cool. When the English would kill, I don't know, Guy Fox, for example, and like fucking cut his head off and put it on a stake for, for a couple decades. I know yeah. that happened as additional, you know, insult to injury, but like I never pictured it as being at the trial. The judge swings the gavel and he's like, and also, we're going to cut you open. <laughs> like, no, it abs I mean, I think they did the same thing to, uh, to, uh, not after, uh, the, the original, the Glorious Revolution, uh, uh, Cromwell. Didn't they, like, cut Cromwell up and, like, put him on display mm -hmm. or, like, something? Like, they did not. Oh, they Cromwell's head was hung up for decades. Once they, they, once he was dead, they exhumed him when their monarchy was restored. Yeah. Yeah. Brought his dead body out and then, like, put it on the gallows, cut the head off of it. Yeah, they did. Which so, yeah, just feels cringe. That exactly. just feel it feels like such, I'm not owned. See, now <laughs> I'm cutting your head off. But grave robbing cadavers would continue well after these exceptions were made, as the supply was still too limited. It wouldn't be until the mid to late 1800s that unclaimed bodies would begin to be offered by authorities for research purposes and anatomically driven grave robbing would finally hit a decline. So for John Hunter to have burgeoned into the highly trained anatomist and junior surgeon that he was in the mid-1700s, we can only assume what was necessary. William undoubtedly pulled some strings at the hospital to let some of the morgue's bodies go missing, and the two may very well have pilfered their fair share of remains from pauper cemeteries. There's at least one fairly recent paper, I put in significant air quotes, written in the last decade that alleged that the two were murdering pregnant women for their cadavers, but I want to say that at the offset, get ahead of it, uh, because if anybody Googles this guy and sees that article, it, that's much like many of the, the historians who refuted that. I think that claim is dubious at best, sensationalist at worst. Um, I don't quite think they were like <laughs> running out and murdering people to get more bodies. I do absolutely think they were buying cadavers, though, if not digging them up themselves. All this is to say, Hunter got his hands dirty for 12 years, getting some strong, practical experience under his belt. But he lacked something somewhat crucial to getting a permanent appointment at any hospital. Nathan, can you guess what that was? Uh, any sort of knowledge of medicine. 
Yeah, he had, z- he had not not one class, didn't take a single class. While there wasn't any practicum credits for his work as William's assistant, there was another route. Well, well, well hold on. You're saying that grave robbing doesn't transfer as an elective credit or anything? No, it not a single one. That's it, I was on the dean's list of grave robbing. No amount of references, positive references from sack up men was going to get him into a hospital. So he had a fast track. He had he had one other option. He had another way that could pay him in the process of getting him to surgeon status. So he enlists in the army as a army surgeon in 1760. Okay, so I so is that like the 1700s equivalent of like getting starting an OnlyFans? Um, you know, actually, no. (laughs) Funny you ask that. Not at all. Um. This would culminate in the official experience that he needed to open his own private practice and begin teaching surgery and anatomy to students of his own. So wait a minute. So his credentials, what were his credentials to be an army surgeon? Uh, A willing, uh, able body. (laughs) Okay. And so the willing and able, so basically the army is like the equivalent of like, if you have like, oh man, I've got like no money and I got to get my teeth looked at. I go to the dental school and they let the guys that are fucking up and too twitchy. Like they let me, they don't want to work on me. And ooh, it's, mm-hmm. or like, oh, I go to the hair like training place and it's like, oh, that haircut ain't great, but that'll grow back. Uh, but you're doing that for like guys that might be getting shot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. That's exactly what I'm telling you. It's, okay. it's absurd, actually. It's, okay. it's absurd. That's that- cool. Nate, let's pivot a little bit. Let's pivot a little bit. Brenda, get in here. We're doing we're doing group therapy now. What's going on? <laughs> John Hunter has has just achieved, you know, the dream. He he has gotten the skill set that he needs yeah. to leave the army and uh, start a private practice. Awesome. Things are going great for him. Nate, it's the early 1780s. Uh-huh. There was no shortage of human zoo exhibits. Oh, you Why? Why? What the fuck? What kind of at minute 30 you change gears like that? Freak shows. No warning. In fact, it was almost an oversaturated market in London. It was was said to be said to be a a game that, you know, you should have gotten in 10 years ago, baby. There's (laughs) there's no way a, a new young man gets in here. Like trying to start a Bitcoin fraud now. Until Nathan, somebody comes on the scene that shines above the rest. Literally. I mean, because this particular celebrity was a seven and a half foot Irish giant named Charles Byrne. Oh, hello, hello, uh, hello, sir. A how tall? Seven foot seven inches. Seven foot seven. Okay, so let's be clear here then. This is, so that is a very tall gentleman, but I don't want to be too hyperbolic. Like, there's a French teenager playing in the NBA right now that's like that tall. Yeah, that's right. Like, I mean, I, mean, I get yeah, that he's well, very tall. He's very tall. But again, I can turn on ESPN and watch a dude dunk a basketball <laughs> right now that's this man's proportions. Now, I don't know if he could do it with the frilly, like, cod piece you're showing me him in. But, uh, <laughs> and again, seven foot four. I most people back then were shorter. I get it. But this, this man looks like he's making these people look like Lilliputians, for fuck's sake. It is so important, Nathan, though. It's the 1700s. We were tiny. We were tiny. <laughs> we were tiny here, damn it. But remember, everyone said Napoleon was short, but he was like average height. And everyone's like, no, uh-huh. this is fine. I don't know. Yeah, we were like, it's important to remember George Washington was like a freakish redheaded giant in his day. <laughs> what, he was, was he a like monster. Six, two or what? Yeah, he was. Well, I think the song says that he was 
12 stories high well, made, of yeah, made, well, made of radiation yeah i'm aware of it he was nothing short of a titan by 18th century standards is the point but oh yeah he was also only 19 years old oh john hunter was was like 20 and didn't know what he wanted to do charles however is 19 and pretty much decides all right this is my job now i, I am tall professionally he had Undi- he had an undiagnosed uh, benign tumor on his pituitary gland, which led to a rapid, never-ending growth spurt. Oh, he and, jacked um, his himself. That's right. Uh, that, was, that, however, was not known at the time. It really was unclear what made him so damn big. He was described as a jovial man, happy and gentle, which I guess was noteworthy for the 1700s because people thought that he should, I guess, be off crushing skulls and I, stealing goats. Look at that man and then just what other... There is no basketball. There is no, there's nothing. There's no reason for have? you. <laughs> you can't go play wide receiver. It's not happening. There's no, your, your path to existence is is fraught with danger just for being alive. It's the equivalent of being like trans in this, in this time, which again, was it still a problem, but now you have like an equal person, but it's just because they're very tall. The world doesn't like them. Plus, he couldn't, you know, he probably couldn't pick up cats without crushing them. No. He wasn't allowed prob- to hold babies. Oh, Just- he's going to he's gonna Lenny from Of Mice and Men anything he touches. Look at, the, look at this picture. He's going to accidentally kill that cat and not even realize it. He'd come to England to make a living off his genetic abnormality, and he'd had some success. The story that I believe came from his act as a traveling show was that Byrne was so tall because he was conceived on top of a haystack. I mean... To be clear, I, I, is it any weirder than anything else? Didn't we know? I feel like we knew recently where somebody's parents fought. <laughs> yeah, like, that's I why feel, Victor Hugo was 12 stories high. Yeah. The stories are there. Now, I don't know why hay has anything to do with it, but I. Uh. Haystack's not that tall. No, not generally <laughs> it's speaking. It's not that tall. There are houses taller than a haystack the so second many. floor of a building is taller than a haystack and i don't Most think things. that explained any giants <laughs> I, I don't think but maybe the hay is the property of the hay itself maybe oh you th- <laughs> was it like rumpelstiltskin hay that had some residual exactly. magic on it and- exactly exactly you're not right you're getting it. now you're getting it this is all the context i was missing i just got the one line i guess yeah quote in short one newspaper wrote the sight of him is more than the mind can conceive, the tongue can express, or pencil delineate, and stands without a parallel in this or any other country. And this, hey, maybe they're right. Yeah. <laughs> this is just OnlyFans. This is just OnlyFans, but now he has to go to them instead of getting to stay at home on the internet. This isn't fair. It's the Technology state of the world. Technology made it easier, yeah. but it didn't make it any more it didn't make it any more humane. The state of entertainment in the seventeen hundreds is abysmally depressing. <laughs> nah. <laughs> what are you gonna what do you wanna go do for entertainment tonight, honey? What do, want, what do you want to go do to see what you want to see tonight? Uh, I don't know. You want to, go, you want to look at the real tall guy? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's go look at the real tall guy for a while. That'd be fun. Let's throw him a nickel. Let's throw a nickel at the tall guy. But Burns fame and fortune were short-lived, as was his jovial nature. <laughs> his life savings, nearly 700 pounds, Ooh. which Ooh. he carried on his person, 700 pounds, oh, all of it <laughs> stolen from him by a pickpocket. I mean, honest to God, man, that, that, that uh, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I but don't know also, if I need a PSA campaign, gang, don't keep your life savings in your pocket 
Hey, Bitcoin folk, Especially look at you. Especially if you're so huge that you have giant pockets. Think of how big the... He had trash bag pockets. You could hide a toddler in one of his goddamn pockets and he wouldn't know about it. Of course he's getting pickpocketed. They're like trip pants from Hot Topic. I could fit my whole fucking arm in there and he wouldn't know. I could, uh, like, hitch a ride in there. Oh, my... He gets, he, he gets a pair of UFO... He gets a pair of Jinkos on this man. That's an Airbnb in New York right now. Could, could nurse, like, a whole litter of kangaroos in there. Yeah, it's, it's a wigwam. It's some sort of... It's some sort of like round domed house. I don't know how. I don't know the the technical term for those. Like as a, as a unit, igloos. Sure, <laughs> it's, a pan, it's a pan igloo. It's a jinko igloo. Hey, somebody with somebody with <laughs> access to chat. Someone with access to the AI. Put it put it denim igloo. You, I want to see what comes out. Put it in the Apple reviews. <laughs> I don't I don't know how you do that. Do it in like ASCII or something like that. Figure it out. Now, Nathan, if that weren't bad enough, uh, it turns out that being seven foot seven isn't good for your body. Um, no, it turns out it just it just fucks you up. You live when you live at that altitude constantly uh, does stuff to your joints and your lungs. Um, Andre the Giant shouldn't have talked like that. No, no, he shouldn't have. That wasn't no, normal. <laughs> <laughs> a body trying to kill him trying to slowly strangle him that scene the where prince whatever is humperdinck or whatever not humperdinck the other one El, carrie elwes tries to hop on his back and choke him out like for like 20 minutes and it takes forever it's because andre the giant is constantly being choked to death by his own goddamn mask <laughs> slowly collapsing you just added a little bit it was the straw that broke the camel's back but he's used to that he's strong and a lot like Andre the Giant, Charles Byrne, to cheer himself up, turned to alcoholism. <laughs> it's literally the story. It's all of it. Every time. It's just, it, and it, it's to dull the fucking pain, too. Like, because just living blaming. that big Are hurts. Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. I have so many less reasons for my dumb, addictive personality. Come on, now. I'm a, I, this is empathy over here. <laughs> I get it. And when that didn't work, Nathan, you tried getting tuberculosis. <laughs> but that didn't Look, work either. And I know that was a fad for a while around this time. So don't act like you don't know that that was a choice for some people. They did it for like fashion reasons. Like the heroin chic shit. The, that that, was, that yeah. was old news. Well, jokes aside, yeah, Byrne does get the uh, the old galloping TB. He gets the consumption. And oh, um, the wider. By the ripe age of 22, he's on his deathbed. Ugh. And he's. Oh, see, that's the thing. And we did it again. We're back to like, oh, he's made these that hard life. He turned to drink and had. I'm imagining this old grizzled soul. The guy hasn't nope. graduated college yet. He makes a desperate plea to his friends, begs them, because Byrne hadn't just been battling depression, or tuberculosis, or poverty, or alcoholism. He'd also been gang stalked by surgeons for the last year. Oh my god. <laughs> they're corpse stalking him. They're they're it's like the opposite of spawn camping. They're it waiting is, they're waiting for him to no, hit the it, grave. No, it's exactly spawn it's spawn camping for but the World of Warcraft variant where you can't respawn. <laughs> if you, you try and come back, I'll find you, I'll kill you, I'll get you again. When word was out that Byrne was dying, it was like a slobbering horde waiting to dissect him. And he was horrified. Uh, you mean the existential dread that your uh, that your entire 
contribution to humanity will be the lessons learned from your remains being picked apart after your death. Yeah, it'd probably give me some fucked up feelings, too. Probably some big emotions on that one. Plenty of them made him generous offers, one after the other. But Byrne was terrified that he wouldn't get into heaven if his body was desecrated by a surgeon's knife. They're trying to sell him like a reverse mortgage. They're selling him reverse (laughs) life insurance. What the fuck? One, how I, one, I should know if the fact that they haven't reinvented that, if that's not a thing we're doing yet, I'm getting ready for that to be traded on the stock market in like two years. I just don't understand the, how you would keep going knowing that there are people that don't want to kill you, but are actively awaiting your death with glee and bated breath. Uh huh. They've got like a nice, composition journal they've already bracketed out the edges it says in neat calligraphy charles Byrne, the irish giant they've got a sketch of you in there already too like they have predictions vitruvian man style of what you look like on the inside you don't wake up in a cold sweat every night with just with the image of like just your head mounted next to like a deer and like a bear and then just your head because that's just what you're just getting like they are just going to desecrate you in every... Of course you don't think you're getting into heaven because you know they're not just going to study you. They're going to do all the weird... Sh- they had so few opportunities. <laughs> there were no restrictor plates on this thing back then. They were going to do everything. When they're done looking over, like, you know, I don't know how big your heart is or how weird your lungs look, they're going to, like, turn you into a water slide, dude. You're too- oh, you're yeah. going to come a log flume ride. At best. At best. So he begged his friends, make sure when he dies, that he is buried at sea where nobody can reach him. Hell yeah, Bin Laden style. Yeah, it's the only way he can get away with this. On June 1st, 1783, Byrne died. And his friends, true to their word, loaded him into the, what I can assume was the biggest coffin you ever did see. (laughs) Uh, They prepared the trip out to the coasts for his funeral. But the body never made it. Oh, the heist. We got Ocean Eleven. Yeah, because John Hunter paid a group of specially trained sack up men. God damn it. He it was an inside job from the best goddamn one to ever do it. He's back in the game, boys. One last gig. One last job. You're going to have to disguise yourself as a lumberman. It's the only <laughs> way you're going to get away with this cargo. There's not a there's not a costume trunk big enough for this heist. <laughs> Oh, but you got it. Well, could we just fold him, cut him up in pieces, boss? No, he slaps him around. No, you idiot. That body's the whole thing. We got to keep it pristine. It's the worst escort mission in the history of video games. Let's go, boys. (laughs) I told you, Hunter, I'm too old for this shit. I'm 17 now. I got grandkids. Anyway, John Hunter paid them 130 pounds for this oh, job. Now that, hold on. So we know that the giant man's life savings was $700. Yeah, right, right. 700 pounds. 700 yeah. pounds. 700 pounds. And they offered, Hunter offered 100 pounds for the body? Yeah. That's a pretty big haul. I mean, yeah, these are surgeons. These are like rich aristocrat dudes who like have the money for this shit. That's what I'm saying. That's why there's like a commission rate to get a special kind of dude delivered overnight two day shipping style. They pulled it off 
by waiting for the caravan to stop for some drinks at a pub. And uh, then the Sakamut men made their swap, swapping out the body for a stack of paver stones. Oh my god, that was a dense gentleman. I don't know this for sure, but I think they threw that coffin in the ocean. I think, like, it was none the wiser. You would have virtually no idea what that was supposed to weigh. How many times have you handled the corpse, the <laughs> coffined corpse of a seven foot eight gentleman? Like, it, again, there would be, that's, again, I, I, reasonable doubt for why they would do it. I get it. <laughs> Patrick, didn't this take 20 men to carry? Physics only taken 18. <laughs> We are introducing a new accent to the to the canon on episode 100, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We are here to unify the aisle around this Spencer's is... <laughs> ridiculous accent work. When Hunter got a hold of the remains, Nathan, he didn't know what to do. I he was I, like a he was like a dog that finally got the car. Yes, he was. Oh God, and and that terrifies me because it's like. Oh, I don't know, man. As you just get concerned when those guys get their dream, and 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 you, are they going to blow it, or are they going to become a subject of a cock and bull? And Spencer, I don't know about you, but I'm sitting <laughs> in the dark in the closet recording, and I'm I'm real worried that that's turned into a story. So here we are. He was actually scared, Nate. He was paranoid. Um, Should be, I guess, because his conscience suddenly developed, and he 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 knew that there was kind of a target on his back. Insurgents in general. I mean, around this time, give or take, well, I mean, really in about 60 years or so, uh, Joseph Nash McDowell has like mobs, angry mobs coming after him and his college for Full the bodies they were stealing. Full on Yeah, exactly. And so I think he knows that the, the writing's on the wall. That's, that's what's going to happen. So he starts to wonder, shit, did I cross the line? Like, if I do this, if I make any study out of this, it might be the end of me. Like, I, I don't the public might not forgive me. So... He chopped up Burns' body, boiled the bones, and hid away the skeleton. You oh, went with the if I if nobody had the this belongs in a museum, no, and then we put it back in the in the archives because nobody can have it. We're gonna we're gonna Ark of the Covenant this thing. He kept quiet about his prize, hoping that after a few years he might avoid scrutiny altogether. Might be able to just let everyone forget about it, cool off for a minute, and then at least he'd do something with the skeleton. And he was right. It only took a few years for Hunter to proudly display the stolen skeleton to the ire of nobody. Not a single repercussion for hosting a personal museum exhibit containing the skeleton of a man who expressly begged to be buried at sea. And to be clear, did he advertise it as that man or did he just advertise it as a giant skeleton he had? Do we know? No. Yeah. He said that's Charles Burns' body. No. See, yeah, that. Okay. So that's, yeah, I was about to say that that is such an indictment on on the concept that there's something unique about like our depravity in this time. Because that that sounds like something now. It's like, it it explains a lot of like Trump behavior, like Trump style behavior of like, no, I, what do you mean? I did an awful thing. Of course I did an awful thing, but that was like 45 minutes ago. What the fuck are you about? Of course, (laughs) you're over it. You're over, you don't care. I'm, I'm running for president again. Fuck you. Like, it doesn't even matter. Like, and this, that just proves, again, it was the same way back then. Maybe it took a couple extra months back then as opposed to being able to do it on, like, re- fast forward in this instance. But, you know, it's the same concept. <sighs> Somehow, yeah. No, no, like, law questions about that. I guess it's because Charles died poor and Irish in England. That has to be it. That has to be, there oh. was no one left to give a shit about him, right? To be so. clear. 
to be clear, all you, I, I, I do. I mean, the ending Irish is is it adds to it, but you didn't have to go past he died poor and then the the end. Ha, <laughs> we're done. Yeah, just sad. Yeah. But that's also not where John Hunter's story ends. <laughs> of course it's not, because this is episode 100. You thought you were getting oh, yeah. off there? No. Strapping in, baby. Uh, because let's talk about more of, of Hunter's exploits. That is actually one of the earlier ones. Oh, dear um, God, it's an origin story. Hunter's colleagues considered him to be an expert on venereal diseases. Why? Why was he that? Why do they consider him that? That's There's a number of explanations for why one could be referred to as an expert on venereal disease. I'm wondering in what term they're meaning it. This is kind of going back to my, my concept that language is like the root of all of it. And if we don't understand the origin of it, we don't know what we're talking about. Because if they consider him an expert, that could mean he's done a lot of study or that he, he's he got all of them. He's he's become ground zero. He's patient. Done one. a lot of study. One of his lasting legacies on the subject surrounded gonorrhea and syphilis, at both, the same of which time. In- <laughs> both of which he incorrectly believed were the same disease. Oh, <laughs> wait, they all because he had them both at the same time. So we couldn't distinguish <laughs> to prove that they were, in fact, the same. He opted to use himself as a test subject. Why am I this way? Why do I do these things? Why? Why do you let me do that to myself? Why Why was the thing that I said was the most ridiculous option correct? Why was I correct, Spencer? Now, there are fun ways, Nathan, to get an STD, uh, and he, he didn't go that route. Well, of course he didn't, because anyone wanting to get an STD that way can't get an STD that way. It's an, it's, a, it's a, like a logical, like, it, like an, a null factor. Yeah, what's the old... Uh, uh, Wives tell a uh, uh, watch pot never gets syphilis, something yeah. like that. No, I think that's what. Yeah, I I, I believe I heard well, that, grandma yeah. said that. Yeah. Once. Oh, all the time. Yeah, well, but that you got to remember, grandma said that in like the the like early two thousands, and that was when the dementia oh, really kicked in, and she thought she yeah, was in Montana. Was happening, yeah. So the, a lot of things were getting cross wired at that point. In retrospect, that makes sense. Should have taken all that financial advice from her right around that time, though, man. Whoo, that financial <laughs> crisis did not do me well. Instead, Hunter found someone suffering from gonorrhea, presumably from a nearby hospital, took a sample of their uh, discharge. Stop that. And I was. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and with a little eyedropper, he, he plop, plop, dropped that into a small incision that he made in his dick and or balls. Oh, <laughs> oh. It's the story of that one guy that got yellow fever and all of that. It's that, but for Stubbins Firth. He's the Stubbins Firth of STDs. At least Stubbins Firth wasn't, like, sounding with yellow fever. <laughs> it wasn't. I, I, dude, there are so many sexual pathology things that we have got that I, again, that Freud could not get to. At this. That would break him. <laughs> that would be the equivalent of giving, like, a, like a little Victorian boy, like, Surge. Like and he just would die if you let if you let Sigmund <laughs> Freud psychoanalyze this dude right now with what he's doing, uh, done he would gone. The whole thing falls apart. Coke to kill it, he would psych himself up snorting enough coke to kill an elephant. Just <laughs> oh my god, he wouldn't. That'd be the problem is he would go for the coke and then that would be the equivalent of another just full eight ball. His heart would explode. He wouldn't know what to do. Hunter's 1786 book describes quote a treatise on venereal diseases, which describes the experiment, but. Not who the test subject was, which is the part where I say psych. The idea that he did this to himself is pretty much a legend in the London surgical community. There's like no direct evidence that he did it to himself. 
I mean, he did it, but like he did it to someone else. I'm imagining, which is better. He, he cut <laughs> someone else's dick and then wait, put wait, it in wait, there. Wait, 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 why is it better? Yeah, that's better. Well, because then he's not like a masochist or a sadist, excuse me. I, no, masochist? Uh, yeah, he's not a masochist. he's just harming other people instead of himself. Well, that's Look, what the doctor should do. I'm not, here to, I'm not here to kink shame, I'm here, but I'm here to say don't intentionally give people gonorrhea. <laughs> and what happened, Nathan? What happened after, the t- after this procedure? What do you they think? They got gonorrhea. Nathan, you're right. Hypothesis confirmed. <laughs> if droppy gonorrhea into into dick, oh get gonorrhea. God. That. So so they pretty quickly exhibited symptoms of gonorrhea, and a week or so later, symptoms of syphilis as well. Ergo, same disease. <laughs> Ergo, yeah, sure. That that is how it works. It's science. Tragically, it's science. Hun- Tragically, Hunter's experiment so happened to pull its discharge from a patient who had both diseases. Which again <laughs> Not is just Hunter. gonorrhea. It's Hunter. Which is him. <laughs> it's just that it had to be. That's what Yeah, no, I had to I had to get it from a guy who had a friend who had gonorrhea. And I took some of his gonorrhea and cut myself open and gave myself the gonorrhea because I wouldn't have done it myself. No, he was a dirty dog who had all of it. And he just harvested some <laughs> of his own crotch car- crotch mushrooms. And he put that into this <laughs> microscope and was like, look at this, it's a whole colony living in there. And thought they were the same thing. It was weak medicine and he knows it. He's trying to cover it up with some flowery language. His reputation was so profound that the the misunderstanding set that research back on both diseases, set it back by about 50 years before the discrepancy was ever caught. Oh my God. So basically we were just treating them exactly like you would probably have the exact same treatment exactly regimen and like preventative regimen for both of them even though they're probably want control i don't know anything about i'm sorry I, I didn't pay attention in sex that i'm bad at it um but i i don't know anything about how you contract them and what the differences are and like whether one's like viral versus bacterial or something like that but i'm sure the treatment regimens are it. not the same well you want to know what the treatments are what Hunter was a proponent of the popular solution of using mercury to treat syphilis. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Oh, mercury to treat everything except for the going crazy from mercury. You treat that with cocaine. (laughs) You treat that with like whippings, I think. Whippings, beatings, yelling at them. That's usually how we dealt with crazy brains. That's very fair. Now, Nathan, uh, mercury could be taken. You could take it in a number of ways. It's very versatile. Um, Oh, yeah. You could do it orally as a tincture. You could do it topically as an ointment. You could inject it directly into the urethra. Um, okay, I was about to say, all of these are ways that I hear about taking weed that I don't try. Um, I will say, uh, uh, even the third it into the urethra is the one where I did differ. I hadn't heard of that method of, of taking drugs yet. That's a new one for me personally, but that, I'm also a novice. So I don't know. Maybe I got friends out, you know, there's probably people listening like, oh, Nathan, you know, you don't know about shooting it up your dick hole. Oh, oh. No, not really partying on a Saturday night, are you, white bread? All right, I hear it. I hear it. Isn't that what Brett Kavanaugh thought boofing was? <laughs> I'm, I'm very convinced. I'm very no, convinced that there are I members. Was simply injecting the alcohol directly into my urethra. I'm, I'm pretty sure there are members of Congress that think I am. That, that think that is how drugs are being done by our children. Oh, Nate, let's flash forward a little bit. That's 1786 that Joseph's uh, putting out his book on on weird diseases on his dick. So to be clear, about- this man who's, who's maintaining a career at this point starts his career by grave robbing. 
Transitions that uh-huh. into going into the army to uh, work on people. Neato. Goes back to Grave Robbie. Yeah, goes back to Grave Robbie. Then becomes just a legit doctor. Then uh, his first claim to fame is stole slash hired mercenaries to steal uh, a dude's body against his wishes and display him uh, for science posthumously. And then he studied his own dick fungus to learn nothing because he misidentified gonorrhea. What is he? How is he failing up? This is like the Dick Cheney of human beings right now. What is this? In 1792, Joseph Hayden was an Austrian composer. I was about to say, please tell me it's not Hayden. Please tell me it's not that that fucking. God damn it! Why is he involved? I'm bringing yet another celebrity in. New character. New challenger approaching. <laughs> While the eventual deafness of his student, Beethoven, was uh, thoroughly oh, accounted. What the fuck? No, Spencer is just goddamn Super Smash Brothers. They're all here. What the hell? Stop. Had been thoroughly accounted by musical historians, there hadn't been nearly as strong an account of Hayden's medical roadblocks. Hayden, is it Hayden? Did I, did I get that I right? Hay- I thought it was Joseph Hayden. Hayden? I thought, yeah, I thought it was, I, I, I feel confident. He's Austrian. Hayden suffered from nasal polyps a seemingly oh, no. hereditary condition from his mother's side that would intermittently cause polyps to uh, crop up deep in his nasal cavity. Makes doing cocaine impossible. It's, I, I understand his plight. Yes, yeah, so hard. So hard. So painful. These inflammations were periodic, returning sometimes years apart. He'd been suffering from them for nearly 30 years by the time he'd visited London in 1792. Haydn had heard of Hunter, and Hunter had heard of Haydn. So naturally, the two met one day. Because I get knowing about Haydn, but that is kind of the equivalent of, like, Dr. Oz knows about Ariana Grande, and they're going to meet up and do a thing. Because of course you would. Those two have to get together. They so, have so much crossover. Oh, you're the man who cut open his own dick and puts uh, the stuff in. A common misconception, actually. <laughs> of a myth i put it in a popper is that is that what that be first what I, I think that might be first is that an eight foot tall halloween skeleton <laughs> did you get that from the home depot from the depot homes it's actually Which in austria be what like the house and house and depot <laughs> oh so naturally the two met up they had to they had to come get drinks um yeah hayden <laughs> had been treated for his polyps many many times but Nothing had really made them disappear, hence the many, many times. The most common treatment up to this point was ligatures, basically sticking a tiny loop of metal wire up the nose, lassoing it around a polyp, and then tightening it. Oh, Um, God, and it's in your nose. Oh, my God, you imagine how painful that would be? And leaving it in there for several days. Oh, my God, that's a saw torture. Not medical (laughs) treatment. What the hell? His doctor said he wanted to play a game. That's a, his, that's Doctor Jigsaw. Get out! I want you to tie this around your polyps, and that's it. That's that's the end. That's, that's the end all. of the challenge. That's all. You won. Is there like an? Did he miss a, like an like a and, and then jerk off or something like that that explains <laughs> why he's doing it? Like, yes, was this from his mistress that he got this? I just I don't understand. Well, Nathan, after several days, the polyp would be thoroughly deprived of blood, and then it would yes! either pop off, it would just, just it would, or it would wither and fall out. That would be the same thing that would happen if I, like, took up a, a tight ligature and put it around your dick and balls. That doesn't mean it's an acceptable way to deal with it. 
and perhaps when the two met, they discussed a more permanent surgical solution. Whatever it was, though, it seems that Haydn hadn't been fully convinced, and he gave a partial agreement to the idea, but postponed it so long that he eventually forgot. Until, quote, A few days prior to my departure, Mr. Hunter asked me to visit him due to some urgent circumstances. I went there. After the opening compliments, some robust fellows entered the room, seized me, and tried to force me on a chair. Oh my god, he's got goons. He's a Batman villain. I yelled, punched, and trampled with my feet until I managed to free myself. Mr. Hunter was already in standby, with his surgical tools in hand. But I made him understand that I didn't agree to the operation. He wondered about my obstinacy, and he seemed to feel sorry for me because I wasn't eager about testing his skills. I apologized for my lack of time caused by my impeding departure and took leave of him. Isn't there like a character in Baldur's Gate that does this? (laughs) Hayden left. Hayden left with his coattails tussled and his nose unmolested. I would postpone his next visit. This dude has goons. He has henchmen for for it for forcible surgery. That's like a that's like an HBO show. That's not real. Well, you know they're the same guys. You know they're the Sackamut men. (laughs) You know it's like his tight crew. Why do we not? Okay, you're telling me Peaky Blinders couldn't be replaced by an equal just take that show say it didn't exist and replace it with a story about called called i don't know sneaky nose digger uppers <laughs> and and it's just a story about a mad surgeon that has a gang of like tar- <laughs> like cockney thugs doing grave robbery and then like the, like extortion based surgeries all through london are you kidding me write that the writer strikes over get this on paper let's go So he got the fuck out of there. He ran. He ran, as you would when a man tries to forcibly cut your polyps out of your nose. Yeah, I'd say so. I think that's the thing, like, the mob does when you didn't pay up. Not because he's just (laughs) super into what's up. I just wanted to see your nose, man. I'm super good. I'm super good at it, man. He's, like, doing butterfly knife tricks with his scalpel. (laughs) You know me, though. I'm known for having that really tall skeleton and doing weird stuff with my dick mushrooms. That's it, though. Nothing that indicates you should let me near your nose. I'm showing you how trustworthy I am. He's like playing five finger fillet, jamming the scalpel between his fingers really fast. Come on, man. I can do it in 20 seconds. I can do it in 20 seconds. You won't even know I'm in there. I'll be in and out. One of my goons is going to wave a tissue in front of your face like a toddler getting a shot. Does that tissue have chloroform? Are you going to wake up under a bridge if this goes poorly? Who knows? (laughs) That's what Vito and Bubba here are to make sure that this goes smoothly for everybody. Haydn had another surgeon in Europe attempt the operation, but it only left him bedridden and in more pain than before. And so... No. And so he no. He, he considered it. A full year later, no. he was in enough pain to compel him to try Hunter again. Not to go to Raphael. Don't make the deal with the devil. <laughs> but by then, it was 1794, Nathan. It had been a full year. 
and John Hunter was dead. Oh, thank God. Thank merciful Jesus. We don't know what he had planned for Hayden's nose. Oh, <laughs> man. I was I was like, man, it's 1-11. You haven't told me what he's going to do up there? Oh, I don't, we ain't got time for that. I need a nap. <laughs> Holy shit. Hunter died October 16th, 1793 from a heart attack after arguing with a student. God, as he's fucking deserved. At this point, goddamn, arguing about how it feels like uh uh, uh Dershow- how Dershowitz is gonna die, just arguing with whatever the last generation is that he's alive for, telling him like, all right, pedophile, get owned, like L's move on, <laughs> old dude, no one cares. Um, and he's gonna be like, well, actually, according to constitutional law, it's a febophilia, and I'm totally okay with it under <laughs> section. Class. And he's gonna have a, his heart's gonna explode live on X live streaming or whatever that is at that point. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it though. That's that's how this guy would go. It's the Jordan Peterson death death of champions, <laughs> is what I imagine it would be. Is really, really pretty also there too. Yeah, the poster's death is is, is how he went out. <laughs> Jordan Peterson wouldn't have a heart attack though after a Twitter argument. He would just have like a deranged Twitter rant and then somehow be the first person to cry to death. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, no, it would be no. He would, he would just die. He would die, and they do an autopsy, and then the doctor would come out real serious and he'd just look into it. He's like, died of a broken heart. <laughs> Everyone starts crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's you. You ran out of tears. It's the first man we've ever seen. No more tears left. <laughs> I didn't know you could. I didn't know you could go empty. You say you're 98% what? We're like 98% water. No more water. No more water. <laughs> Secondary cause of death, dirty apartment. <laughs> We're not sure which part did it. Tertiary cause of death, only ate meat. Not great for you, turns out. Probably didn't help anything. That's definitely an underlying cause. Gout. Gout. <laughs> Being handed a note. It's called gout. <laughs> Didn't even know you could do that. Thought it was more of a pain tolerance sort of issue, but apparently, here we are. Uh, Hunter was buried at St. Martin in the fields. Not the not at sea, according to his wishes. Not dissected and hung for the <laughs> town to inspect. Hundreds of students and colleagues attended his funeral in a massive procession, and I hope it was one of the ones that he argued with. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the ones he argued with and it's just that old meme or that old gif of like say i won't slap this motherfucker with the coffin he just <laughs> smashed the shit out the corpse like, i got it i win in 1859 he was exhumed and relocated to westminster abbey <sighs> as a show God, of his significance no! to the country no it's supposed to be exhumed and dissected horribly for karmic reasons no no, we live in the worst timeline. <laughs> in 1799, Parliament bought his collection. He had amassed quite a private collection of physiological specimens for 15,000 pounds, making it oh the most my expensive. God, fucking robbery. When did they buy that? What year? 1799. Okay. All right. That is significant in 1799. A I'm massive that. That's a fortune. massive. That's a mass. That's buying Twitter in 1799. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and that was the Twitter. government bought it. The fucking government bought his collection Honestly, for an exorbitant I'd be, amount. Uh, I'd be less upset if the federal government had bought Twitter. If my tax dollars had <laughs> bought Twitter and just kept it as it was, that would have been the single best use of my tax dollars in recorded <laughs> history. 
Fox funding like the polio vaccine. That would have been that would have been it. By 1813, construction was completed on a new building to house the collection. And of the 14,000 specimens. So that, that was almost like a dollar a, a pound a specimen that they bought. I was about to say that the price, per va- the value is just amazing. Of the 14,000 specimens in Hunter's original collection, only 3,000 have survived to the modern era after the Nazis hit the museum in 1941. I mean, honestly, one of their contributions to mankind, but, you know. <laughs> is. I feel like it's that drill tweet. All, it's that drill tweet all over again. I, you gotta hand it you to him. You gotta hand it to him. <laughs> I, I, you gotta hand it to him. The collection can still be visited today at the Hunterian Museum in the Royal <laughs> College of Surgeons. John Hunter is is considered like one of the most famous surgeons in all of England. And I, ha- having done this whole cock and bull, can't tell you how. <laughs> Spencer, this is the next one. This is the one we've got. I know the do- the dollop first. Look, they got us the first. They've got they've taken us down one time. This is the next one. They got to get on this. We need an English dollop. Go find them. Get them on this one because that you guys got to take him down a peg or two. Uh, the collection can still be visited today. That at the feels Hunterian gross. Museum in the Royal College of Surgeons, where for centuries the skeleton of Charles Byrne has remained a prominent exhibit. It was only this year, Nathan, January oh, of 2023, oh that the skeleton was finally removed from view. What? At, what? What was the straw? What? How woke have we got? What was the woke mafia's final arrow in our quiver? What did we do? How, what did we have on him? It was, if I'm not mistaken, a dude waging a 20-year media campaign to harass the college into to burying him god bless p on god bless posters with a beef however it couldn't be so lucky uh because while they've removed him from view they have replaced him with a replica skeleton and they haven't buried charles Byrne. they've just put him in storage for future research now as someone Mm -hmm. with social anxiety i do feel that like if i was haunting that place I think if you just took me off display where people could see me and let me hang out in a dark room somewhere and chill, I'd probably take that as a compromise and move on and let you like get my treasure or whatever. I don't know, man. That's what radicalized Stinky Pete in Toy Story 2 is when they put him in storage. I I get it. I get it. But like that's I think the diff I think that's a highlighting, like I think there's a psychological profile to be had there. Are you a stinky Pete or are you Or are you Nathan? (laughs) Or are you Giant Nathan? That's Those are really the two things. It's Stinky Pete or Giant Anthropomorphically Interesting Nathan. Which side of the spectrum are you on? We're all on there somewhere, baby. I'm a one, You all know it'll be the next party. It'll be the next word you go to high school. It's how you're going to identify people. Nate, you've got my word as your brother that when you go, I will do everything in my power to make sure you make it to the sea like you've always wanted so those doctors can't get inside your giant body. I don't want them to see what's in there. I don't want them to know my secrets. <laughs> Folks, this has been a very special episode of the Cock and Bull. <laughs> it's been something, all right. This was never about numbers for me. Um, and, and for the last like six years, I've been somewhat aggressively stuck to that mindset. So the focus would always be on making something that I enjoyed as opposed to swinging for the top 100 charts and forever being disappointed when that one in a million thing didn't happen. Um, 
And that's kind of like an introspective problem in and of itself because it leads to me feeling like being proud of something or promoting something is cringe or whatever. And that's shitty. Yeah, it like this isn't the fucking Mona Lisa, but nothing has to be for you to be proud of it. But really, the biggest drawback of that, like, love, I, I do it for the love of the game. I don't look at the numbers mentality is is it also has made me put up blinders for the people who actually do like this show. People who were excited to see it come back, people who have reached out to us or reviewed the show and said just how much they're enjoying it. And I really genuinely from the bottom of my heart want you all to know that I am beyond grateful to have that kind of support. If you've ever contributed a topic, left a review, shared an episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This all was was prolonged and made possible, really, by you guys. And this is our announcement for transitioning to Patreon, where we're going to now extract <laughs> value from this parasocial relationship <laughs> we've cultivated. Welcome to the long count, boys. Episode 200 is going to come with cult robes. All 30 of you owe me 50 bucks a pop. I don't make the rules. And we're doing oh, them no, once this a is, year yeah, now. It's economy of scale. You're all going to have to make what, what we will lack in, in numbers. We will make, we're not going to build wide, but we're going to build tall. Half the deal, twice the price. When we started recording these, like the, this road to a hundo um, back in, God, what, like May or something? I it's been think, a while. Yeah, yeah, early in the summer. I actually came in like researching those and recording these thinking like 100, this would be a like a finale. We would cap it off at a clean hundred. And I think we both thought that too like for i've been saying i've while. been saying i'm getting too old for this shit every time i get into the podcast i'm just saying it's, it's I, I hear you this was intended to be this was intended to be a retirement tour but yeah. doing these again yeah. for the last however many months that we've been at it it has reminded me how much i love doing this show though and i i, I really don't care if we can't always make it happen every week if it becomes a once a month thing, if it becomes an every other week, if it's once every couple months, if we become as sporadic as as one of my favorite podcasts, Super Ego, was by the end of its life. <laughs> oh, I want to get into that Beatles phase. Yeah, where we can do the weird shit. Just like an hour of just noise. Just me in here just tapping on <laughs> shit in the closet for like an, a weird ambient noise version of the show. It's, it's, I wanna, we're going to be experimental. We're doing the pet sounds of podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't care. Like, I don't care how infrequently it may happen in the future after this. I tr I really, truly love doing this show. All of this is to say, um, I don't know what the regular schedule of this show looks like going forward. I mean, we haven't we haven't lost any of you. Y'all seem to put up with it <laughs> every gap that we do. So <laughs> this is an abusive relationship and you guys are all hanging out. We <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. That being said, once again, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, we sincerely appreciate it and we'll see you the next time we see you.